Hello and welcome back to the first episode of the Second Row Podcast for the upcoming 2018-2019 season. My name is Park Kelly and as always I'm joined by Ushin Collins. We're back baby! It's gonna be awesome. It's amazing. We survived the summer. Apart from me, I'm burnt. You are crispy looking to be fair. Yeah. But given this unseasonably north, 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 north Mediterranean weather that we've been having lately, uh, it's good to know that we're back to something familiar again. Yeah, I know. It's... Great. A bit of rain now. I'll be happy, Amber. Drizzle. <laughs> so, welcome back to all our listeners to this, the first of three Pro 14 preview podcasts to get you in the mood for the return of glorious, glorious Pro 14 rugby. So, please make sure you're subscribed so that you get the remaining two preview podcasts and all future episodes of the Second Row Podcast. We're available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, SoundCloud, Acast, Stitcher, and all podcast apps. We are in all of the podcasts. Yeah, like all, <laughs> all of them. So for this first preview episode, we'll be talking about the Irish provinces. We're going to run you through some of the personnel changes and then talk about what the expectations are for the season ahead. And as always, Porrick and I will give you our second row one to watch. Yep. We're going to curse eight players, I think. is Basically, yeah. Yeah, that's what we that's do. That's what we usually do. Yeah. In a, in a surprise to none of our regular listeners, first up is our, our favourite province, or Porrick's favourite province anyway, the mighty Westerners, the men from Galway and surrounding areas. Connacht. Yep. Looking forward to a great season for Connacht this year. There is so much positivity in Galway around the camp. It is unreal. And tons of room to improve. I mean, let's just recap quickly. Poor Connacht finished last year. Yes, we do. (sighs) Connacht finished last year second from bottom in Conference A and the fourth worst team overall across the Pro 14. Like, I, I hope there's positivity because there's certainly not a lot further to fall. No, like, it literally can't get any worse. Well, it can, but like, I don't think we can do any worse given the teams that we're that are in the league. Mm-hmm. But I like I, when I said there's positivity in the camp, it's unreal. Like Andy Friend has literally come in and erased two years of negativity in Connacht. That's huge, and I mean that's one year of Kieran Keane and one year of Pat Lamb half out the door. Yeah, so you well eighteen months of just muck effectively. Yeah. Okay. No, and I mean in terms of personnel changes, Andy Friend coming in is obviously the biggest change to Connacht this year. What what's he going to bring? Like I've been, I've been really going out my way to find interviews with him since he's arrived, and what I've liked about him is he is focused on skills. And apparently, one of the big things he told the players is, "I want you to be the best in the world at one thing." And like, imagine that, like your fullback is the best under the high ball, but that means he's going to be good at catching and passing because those skills are basics. You know, your hooker is the best at hooking the ball. That means the scrum is solid. You know, like making sure you're the best at one thing just brings up your skill level across the board. Okay. And plus, I mean, from what you told me, he's got a really nice front garden, you know, from all the stalking of him that you've been doing. <laughs> it's not my fault he's on Twitter all the time. It's brilliant. <laughs> it is. He's been really engaged, which is the one thing that was missing last year. Like, Connacht actually seemed to have a dialogue with their coach and with the province. So, I mean, that's massive. Yeah, no, I bumped into him the other day and I went, you know, just to say, oh, hi, Andy, welcome to Connacht. And literally thinking that was it. He stopped me on the screen going, so tell me about yourself. How long have you been supporting Connacht? I'm like, oh, you're engaged with me, the supporter. There are follow-up questions. <laughs> yes, I wasn't expecting this. No, that's great. And look, not the only personnel change. You've got a couple of players coming in. Uh, Robin Copeland from Munster, Kyle Godwin from the Brumbies. You've got Kobe Fienga, uh, David Horowitz, and, and there's a couple of other players yet to, to link up. Um, who are you excited about? I think Copeland and Fienga are the two big ones there. You know, like Copeland's natural game of just running like a mad yoke. I think is really going to fit well in Connacht, so that should be brilliant. I'm not expecting Godwin Horwitz to like light up the world. But Anything but, they do is kind of an advantage. Yeah, like if Godwin's solid and plus, 
we're onto a winner. True, but that's not necessarily a like-for-like replacement. I mean, in the likes of Muldoon and Heenan, you've lost big players. Yeah, and like if you add in Brown and J.P. Cooney, there's a huge leadership vacuum, and Butler has stepped in as captain. And from what I've heard of how the captain was selected, it was the players put their players, their people forward as they thought was captain. And when the management saw their list and the players' list, a natural captain emerged, and there's a good leadership group amongst them. Hmm, interesting. And how's preseason going so far for Connacht? Well, you know, they're winning matches. And I know it's preseason, you don't win anything in August, but they're winning matches, you know, they're putting up points. You can still make an ass for yourself, though. You can, but it's not about the winning or losing of a game in preseason. It's what are the individuals doing? Are they performing? You know, and from what I can tell, the players are performing. And that's all you want for preseason and no injuries. Okay, so fingers crossed for no injuries for the rest of the preseason. That's for sure targets for the year and we might talk domestic and then european yeah well definitely in the pro 14 we have to be vying for a playoff spot like i know a lot of people think oh what you know there's a lot of competition in our conference yes but if we're not reaching for those goals why are we there and i mean given cardiff narrowly missed out last year you've got the Cheetahs, who will now have another year under their belt this competition like it's gonna get very competitive the ospreys can't they just can't be as bad as they were last year either. Fingers crossed. <laughs> okay, and what about Europe? What do you think Connacht are targeting this year in Europe? Final, semi-final. Of um, the Challenge, Challenge Cup. Cup. Yeah, definitely. Like, if you actually look across our results all across last season, we were only a score away from winning most of them. You know, yes, it was an awful, awful season, but... Narrow margins. Narrow margins. If, if you flip a few of those results, suddenly we qualify for Europe on our own merit. You know, so... It's one of those things where if we can play to our potential, it looks like we're definitely going to be running the ball a lot more, keeping the ball alive a lot more from what I've seen, which is suits us, but not Galway. <laughs> the weather may not be your friend. Well, look, let's finish up off Connacht with uh, our one to watch. So as always, we usually do this on a game by game basis, but let's see if we can curse some people for a whole season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's your one to watch for Connacht? Barbie? So for for me, for Connacht, across the season, I'm looking to Alton Deland having a very big season. Um, he needs to reach the form he was when he was called into Ireland camp, which he just hasn't done for two seasons. And I've seen him around town. He just seems a different person than he was last year. Like he had his own personal um, circumstances to that as well. But I'm expecting a really big season from him and I'm looking forward to see him play. And you, who do you think is going to be influential or needs to have a big season for us? So... For me, I think you've got a couple of interesting changes in your back line. You've got a lot of talent there, but it just hasn't necessarily clicked. And I think Jack Carty could be core to that. He's he's a really talented young player. And, you know, looking down the road at Munster, where we have an embarrassment of riches at 10, or like an embarrassment of players at 10 anyway, um, I think Jack Carty could have a really good standout season. And if he does, I think he'll get players around him like Bundy, like Kyle Godwin, like Tiernan O'Halloran really ticking and you could do some real damage. I think Tom Farrell will live and breathe of a good Jack Carty this season. Yeah, very much, I guess. And uh, like the pick of Alton, it'll be interesting. That second row position for Ireland is getting so competitive. There's so many players vying for that sp- those two spots. For who gets to play with James Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and who gets to come on for the person who plays with James Ryan. Exactly. Now, we'll stay in Conference A and head down to the N18 and um, talk about Munster now. So last year, they were second in Conference A. Fourth overall. Not a bad season for them, but room to improve. 
Yeah, so after going out to Leinster in the semi-finals last year, you know, there was certainly more targeted. But when you consider the season that Munster had, when you consider the fact that we changed coaches halfway through that year, and the fact that any time we seem to have a player pop their head up in terms of being international or just standout performances in Europe, they would get struck down with injury within minutes of, of showing that kind of form. I think the new development down in Musgrave must have tipped off an Indian burial ground or something the way players were going down. But... um. Look, there's been there's been some key signings, and I suppose two really big signings in Joey Carberry and Ty Byrne, who would be expected to, to to. I mean, they haven't come to Munster just to make up the numbers. They're there to win trophies. They're there to enhance their chances of selection at an Irish level and and be playing top rugby week in week out. Um, and Mike Haley from Sale looks like look a really good replacement for for Simon Zebo so far in preseason. I mean, th- there's no replacement for the kind of electric. Um, form that Zebo brings, but you know he gone. True, and we, now he's gone. We are never going to hear of him unless he comes back to Ireland again, please. Because every if I have to hear, are you from, kidding me? We're going to be like we're all Racing ninety two fans now. Like seriously, <laughs> if I have to hear him every, and Dunica, yeah, every time Dunica Ryan and Zebo are in a picture together, you can just see all the months go. <gasps> Why? And the weeping starts, yeah. Like, at least Muldoon's gone from Connacht and we're not crying. Muldoon's gone over to coach for the previous coach. You're just hoping that all of the players don't join Bristol next year. Watch this space. Bundy, postage stamp, Bristol. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Stop it now. But look, I think it'll be interesting to see what Johan van Rahn does with a full preseason. Um, he's starting to, to be able to put his own stamp on the team rather than just carry through what... Um, Razi Erasmus had put in place um, a couple of changes I suspect in terms of how we're running our defence obviously changed that as well new new team um, new defence coach in there as well and looking at the players Munster are getting back from injury over the next couple of months it's almost like additional signings yeah. you look at the likes of Chris Farrell is going to be back at some point this season I mean hopefully November we'll see uh, Chris Clutie, um who had a stellar couple of games as an open side flanker coming back from injury so that looks really good, and I, I think with that, there's a bit of optimism, a bit of sneaky optimism down in Limerick. Yeah, and in all fairness, like Munster are very much the bridesmaids the last couple of years of rugby, especially of Irish rugby. I'd say their sides are very much firmly on silverware, silverware, silverware. Van Rahn made a very interesting comment in a press conference where he just said, I'm done talking about Leinster. You know, so there's a real acknowledgement, and I mean, it's it's hard not to acknowledge that Leinster are the preeminent force within Irish Pro 14 and European rugby. But there's a real attitude coming out of Limerick that that the time for that is is done. It's time to step up and try and knock these guys off their pedestal. But if Munster don't come away of getting one to a final and two silverware by the end of the season, there's serious questions of the personnel down there. Because how many managers have failed to bring you to? silverware so it can't just be coach's fault at this stage no and i don't think anyone is claiming that it is there's a, there's a couple of players like what was it peter O'Mahony's interview last year i'm sick of learning lessons i think the whole monster setup is sick of learning lessons but that has to translate into into silverware and you know relatively good start to pre-season um won their first fixture against london irish again you don't win anything but it's nice to see players like darren sweetenham who again had injury layoffs last year looking really really sharp and this year it has to be about Probably trying to finish top of the conference, trying to get that home semi-final because I think um, at this, you know, the skinny end of the wedge at the end of the season that can really matter. Um, but it's got to be about silverware this year. So talk about look at over over the course of the year. Who's your one to watch for the season? So uh, probably a bit predictable, but I think 
it'll be interesting to see how Joey Carberry plays in Munster for a 10, for a pivotal position like that, to come into a new team. He'll obviously know some of the guys from Ireland camp. Obviously, he'll know Conor Murray well. But for him to learn the game plan and the running lines and to be able to manage a team around him and manage a back line, that's a big ask for a guy who is still as young as he is. But he does have that potential. He does have that talent. And he could be that kind of X factor that Munster needs. Yeah, he is extremely talented. He's going to Munster to learn to manage the game effectively. Uh, what about you, Porik? Have you managed to find another forward for us? Yeah, I have. Um, I've gone for Tyke Byrne. Um, he's come over from Scarlets off the back of being the turnover king of Europe. Mm. His eyes are solely fixed on that Irish jersey of who gets to partner James Ryan. Yeah. Because he has to be a second row. Like, and do you think he's going to get picked as a second row? Because there's a lot of chat that Joe Schmidt might use him in that Ian Henderson big number six role. In the short term, anyway, because I think he has a future with Ireland. In the short term, I think he's going to be in that 19 jersey. Yeah. You know, where he can, oh, we need a second back row in the subs. He fills in or something happens in the second row. He gives you the impact for either position. Exactly. Coverage. Yeah. But he needs a big season. He needs to bring that form to Munster and fit into the Munster game plan because it is different to Scarlet's. Like, he won't have as much freedom I'd say as he would have had in, would have in Scarlet's I don't think so and what I'm really excited about is watching how he plays in a team with Peter O'Mahony who I think is a far better a better option for that six jersey for Ireland so if he's playing as well but he, Tyburn can still bring enough to the game from, from second row that just enhances his chances of getting picked there for Ireland and enhances Munster's chances across the season 100% okay switching over to conference B and we will go north to Ulster. North of the wall. <laughs> um, when we were looking at the numbers for this, we kind of didn't realise that Ulster had had as good a season as they kind of did in spite of themselves. Yes, but remember, like even if they came fourth in their conference and seven overall, they had kings and dragons in their in their conference. Yeah. Which is a 20-point gimme. And at the end of the day, one nothing, one nothing, one nothing. If you talk about being able to rock up to the kings and beat them home and away, and then the Dragons home and away. And you still end up having to go and beat the Ospreys to scrape into Europe on the last day of the season. This is not what we expect from a team of the pedigree of Ulster. But, you know, there's been some serious personnel changes there now. They have lost the backline. Yeah. You know, like, it cannot be underestimated how much talent and experience they've lost over the summer. Has walked out the door. But at the same time... Including arguably one of the best players in the last two years of Charles Pieta. Yeah, he should be in the... Like, he's literally everyone's Pro 14 fancy... Fancy pick at 15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For obvious reason. And then Bowen Trimble, like the experience walking out the door there to close out games. I know he wouldn't be everyone's cup of tea, but Paul Marshall had so many caps. He was, He'd been there, done that. And wrecked everyone's teacup, you know, wrecked everyone's t-shirt. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but good players coming in. I mean, Billy Burns comes in and I mean, he's got an experienced head. He'll give a little bit of backup to Johnny McPhillips at 10, which is brilliant. I think uh, that's actually a really good signing. You know, like we were there talking all summer. So which one of the Munster lads is going up north? Is it, is it JJ? Is it <laughs> Keatley? Is it Quaid Cooper? But then Billy Burns, hold on, you go like Premiership, Pro, being there, being in Europe, like that's a very good signing. It, it's not going to set fireworks alight, but that is the type of solid and settled player that they need. And like a lot of their signings this year, he's Irish qualified, as is Marty Moore coming back to Ireland after a spin at Wasps, as is Jordy Murphy, or Nordy Murphy as we're calling him now, yep. as is Will Addison coming over from Sale. Like There's some serious players there, but equally you look at the likes of their short-term signing, Henry Spate, who's on a bit of a jolly up from Australia, 
that that's a nice way to try and jumpstart your season. I like. I think it's a brilliant signing because they're going to rely so much on their academy to have someone come in, go like, lads, this is what you got to pay. Like, good luck. Yeah. And then when he goes, there'll the, be space there for someone to come in and take that jersey. Exactly. And you can't forget that Kutsia is coming back from injury. Yeah, uh, he's he's been a monstrous loss to them for the last year because he just hasn't been able to get fit. But every time you see him, he's a beast. Yeah, and I've heard rumours from camp that they've actually had to tell him to stop hitting people as hard because that's how much he's raring to go for this year. <laughs> Take it easy there, champ. Exactly. And the other addition, and kind of a loss and an addition, Jared Payne joins their coaching setup. And with Dan McFarlane coming in on top of that. You know, we discussed this when he reti- announced his retirement. I think Payne is one of the best rugby minds out there and he showed that when he was out with his defensive ability and if he can relay some of that into players, Ulster aren't in a bad spot coaching-wise. No, they're not. And I mean, I think for this season, the, it's about trying to bring focus on the pitch, deliver something. I mean, this this is probably Rory Best's last full season. Yeah, like I don't really see him doing a full season after the World Cup. No, me either. And the other side of it is you've got a lot of young players who broke out last year, none more than Jacob Stockdale. Like, is this season going to be his difficult second album? I mean, is he going to get the kind of space that he did or the same kind of opportunities as he did last year? Yeah, you'd have to think teams are aware to him. And even though they were to not pass the ball in front of him last year, if they they keep throwing intercept passes to Stockdale this year, then I'm going to be convinced he has it on some sort of Velcro string. But also, like, how stupid are the people that are against him? Phenomenal. But anyway, Ulster need to focus on rugby this year. And they've started doing that. I mean, they, they're out the gates. They've had a decent performance in their first preseason game. They didn't win it. They lost narrowly to Gloucester in the end. But, but that was all the newbies we were talking about. There was one player for Ulster, say, still in school. Well, okay. So mostly academy. But at least they're kind of getting out and getting focused on rugby. And that's what's important. Um, target for the season? Has to be top three. Even a semi-final spot. A qu- yeah. You know, which I would assume would be in a way quarter-final for them. Yeah, I would think so. And win their home European matches. Give themselves a chance to... They have a tough pool. I mean, Racing, Leicester and the Scarlets. So try and avoid making fools of themselves. But there's no guarantee that even if they do win their home games that they have a chance of qualifying. Yeah, I know. But like, for their fans, three home wins, that's... That's plenty. That's plenty. Well, if I was in their shoes, that'd be plenty. Win in front of me. (laughs) You know, have some pride in your jersey and in your home ground. Absolutely. Speaking of pride, who's your one to watch for Ulster this year, Park? Presumably it's Henderson or Treadwell or Alan O'Connor or no. some other second row. <laughs> no, no, no. I've gone for Marty Moore. Like okay. He's come over from England. He clearly wants to fight for an Irish jersey. I'm pretty sure he had a nice spot for himself in Wasps. You know, he wants to fight for an Irish jersey. There are a lot of talented players ahead of him, so mm-hmm. he needs a big season. Yeah, we were joking about the depth at second row, but at tight head, it's not a whole lot easier. You know, Ty Furlong, Andrew Porter... John Ryan, Finley Balaam. So that's four players, all of whom are probably ahead of Marty Moore in the pecking order at the moment. Yeah, and, you know, Connor Carey's scoring tries off, uh, for Connacht in preseason, so, you know. <laughs> the Irish Thor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But who do you think is going to have a big season for, or who needs to have a big season for Ulster? So, uh, again, it's a bit of an obvious one for me because he had such a big season last year, but for me, John Cooney was at the heart of everything good that Ulster did. Stepping in, replacing a guy like Ruin Pienaar, I think he answered firmly all of his critics last year. And this is the time now where he can kick on and really demonstrate how he is the pivot that that Ulster team needs to be built around. His goal kicking is exceptional. He scores the odd cheeky try and his command of the game up there can only get better. 
I like to say he's a classical scrum half where he likes to shout and roar and give out and mm. move people. And that Ulster team, young and old, will need that this season. Yeah, I mean, he's actually in the mould of a type of a French petty general scrum half. And they run a lot of ball off nine. And that, when your forward pack gets a bit of dominance, and if they've got big hitters like Kutsia and Henderson and um, and Best or Herring coming in for him, if they can keep them fit and getting over the gain line all year, there's no limit to what John Cooney can achieve. And he was doing all that last year on a lot of back football. So imagine what he do with a lot of front football. Could be really impressive. And t- speaking of team that get a lot of front football. <laughs> Drum roll, please. <laughs> we'll move on to Leinster. The champions. And uh, if you're listening to anybody, the champions elect already. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Look, I mean, they've kind of earned their hype. But I am so excited to see them on a pitch again. Like, they play good rugby. Yeah, you know, last year, first in Conference B, second overall. And only because Glasgow obliterated everybody for the first six minutes of the season. And then forgot to play rugby for the last. That was it. (laughs) (laughs) But, Um, you know, not a lot of changes in personnel, or certainly not a lot of new players coming in. Joe Tamani is their only incoming player. And he is a big player and a big signing. But I would think is somewhat bigger is the introduction of Felipe Contepomi to the coaching team. What a return. Like, from someone who knows the club so well, like, to have the doc back in a coaching role must be really exciting. Do you think Joey Carberry sitting there in his off-blue training <laughs> in jersey? In dreadful training kit. <laughs> in, in Limer going, Ah, oh, Felipe's up there and Byrne gets to work with him. No. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly hope not. Particularly, well, I mean, like you mentioned Joey there, but obviously Ethan Asewa's going, Jamie Heaslip retired, Jordy Murphy's headed up to Belfast, and you'd Rickard Strauss and a couple of other departures from the club as well of some of the more fringe players. Interesting, probably one of the, the other people they lost, Gervin Dempsey, obviously, going off to the Premiership to coach. But they did retain Stuart Lancaster and Leo Cullen, which was looking pretty hairy for a while there. I mean, Stu was linked to every job in England. And Connacht and, you know, every single job that was going. But yep. he seems so happy and so settled in Leinster. Mm. His situation in Leinster is kind of the same as Joe Schmidt's in Ireland. He's just happy here. Yeah. Everything's settled. Everything him. works. Yeah. Look, as long as much as all Leinster f- fans will be happy, they have both. God damn them all. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, uh, you talk about what, what can this team continue to achieve. And I think there's a huge amount of them are going to be coming out to form that Ireland team for the year and the Ireland squad going into the World Cup. But I still think at a club level, they'll be looking at a fifth European Cup and they'll be looking at retaining the Pro 14. So a double-double. Exactly. And And there's only one other team has done that, which was that Leicester team back in 2001 and 2002, which like Neil Back, Martin Johnson, a phenomenal outfit. And you have to say this Leicester team is arguably better than that Leicester team. You know, in their own time yeah. off their own time absolutely and like if they do pull off a double double which I mean if you think about it that Saracen team that was so dominant couldn't do that a couple of years ago yeah. so that'd be a huge achievement and you're, you are talking about being better than Racing, Toulon and Saracens two years in a row yeah and being better than Scarlet's Munster and Glasgow two years in a row it's not a, it's not a small ask but it is a team that like they have the capability of doing that if everything comes off and they've had a slow start to their preseason with a win and a loss, but against Division Two teams. Yeah, it was a narrow win against Montemont in France, which, fair enough, tough to travel and it was a young team. But they got absolutely beaten off the park in Donnybrook by Newcastle. Yeah, like a few scores at the end put some gloss on the scoreboard. But yeah, effectively got bit off the park. I think the lower premiership teams are hitting preseason hard, mm. whereas the top ones are just rotating players. 
I think you can look at the Connacht Wasps match for a scoreline to to prove that, that point. You know. Yeah. So I mean, is there anything Leinster can do this year other than retain both trophies? Like what? What are the targets up on the team wall? Um, incinerate all opponents. Like actually incinerate them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. You know, cure cancer, colonize the moon. Yeah, and develop AI and master it so that it doesn't destroy the world. I thought that was Leo Cullen, but you know that's fair enough. Yeah, you know, like, but yeah, they literally have to be perfect. Like, yeah. to flawless improve. season. Oh, could you imagine if they actually won? Just We'd never hear match? the end of it. I think we'd both have to leave Dublin forever. I'd, I'd, I'd almost leave Ireland. <laughs> I would. I'd, I'd leave Ireland and just unsubscribe to anything, anyone that ever tweets anything. We would abandon. We would abandon rugby for all time. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> all right, Park. Who's your one to watch then? Um, I'm going with Max Deegan this year um, for Leinster. Like, there's no point picking an international player for Leinster because they won't play that much, especially in the Pro 14. And Max Deegan will more than likely play half the season at eight for Leinster. Yeah. He needs a big season. He's got two sets of big boots to fill. One Jamie Heaslip and two Jack Conan. Yep. Like, they're two very good players and he's got to lead the team from eight. And he's got Caelan Doris, who was one of the few players at the Under-20 World Cup to come away with a bit of credit coming up behind him exactly. looking to take his jersey like there, he's in a pressurised position and one of the best clubs in the world yes he's going to have like say the likes of Scott Fardy ahead of him in the second row to take some of those other bits off him but I think Leinster lead from 8 okay. they play from 8 you can see it off them you know yeah, yeah. and he needs a big season for them excellent well I'm going for someone a bit more fun uh, I think that after the first season of settling in and setting the place alight uh, James Lowe is just going to go from strength to strength this year. The guy, and you can see it on his face, he loves rugby. He loves to play. He loves scoring tries. But I think what he's going to bring to his game this year is a defensive component. Because when you do see him nail those tackles, you can tell he loves that as well. Yeah. So I think he'll have a better positional awareness and a sense of how Leinster play in defence. And I think he's just going to spend the year locked on that left wing, regardless of who else is coming up around him. He is by far the best winger in Leinster at the moment. He's the most exciting. He's one of the most exciting players in the country. Oh, definitely. And you know what? It's always good to have someone that have a buzz in your squad. Absolutely. And that is us for uh, for preview one. We'll be back with two more preview episodes discussing the remaining teams in Conference A and B over the next few days. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes of the Second Row Podcast delivered to you ASAP. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us and let us know. We are on facebook.com forward slash second row or on Twitter where we're at the second row. That is 2ND, not the word second. So until next time, take care. Bye bye, folks.